Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Welcome to the Healthy Herb Podcast, a place of information and inspiration for the home herbalist. I'm Bridget Doherty of the Solidago School of Herbalism, coming to you from a bridged island on the coast of Maine. In today's show, I'm talking about Hawthorne, the herb of the heart. Before we get started, I want you to know that I'm not a doctor, nor do I diagnose or treat people. What I share is based on my own experience and what I've learned from my mentors. Ultimately, I want you to be empowered in seeking and achieving your own version of optimum health. I want you to be inspired to connect and relate to the common plants that grow all around you. Together, let's make home herbalism be as common in the everyday household as cooking a healthy meal. Now, without further ado, let's have some fun and dig in. Well, it's been a while since I've recorded a podcast, and it feels great to be back at it, and I look forward to getting back to it and providing you with a lot more great episodes and inspiration and information of some of my favorite herbs. I'm working with the Plant Wonder Collective to bring you some really fun episodes coming up. The Plant Wonder Collective, I met through Instagram. They're a group of creators, herbalists, gardeners, foodies, bakers, crafters, artists, educators, and witchy women on a mission to encourage you to deepen your connection to plants. They share a robust array of imaginative ideas from varied perspectives along with morsels of knowledge about each plant of the month. They have an Instagram page as the repository of their free collective work, and now they're also starting a plant of the month study group on Patreon. So check them out. I'll talk a little bit more about that as we get into the show. But what I really want to focus on today is talking about Hawthorne, such a wonderful plant and it grows probably right outside your door. Hawthorne is also known as Mayflower, May Blossom, White Thorn, Haw, or Hagthorn. This is a plant that is basically very similar to an apple tree, but it has long thorns. More short thorns, but definitely has thorns, hence the name, and tends to form a hedge. And that's what the name haw refer- refers to is hedge. 
It's in the Rose family, the Rosaceae family, which is the same family that apples are in, as well as a wide array of other great plants. Basically, I like to think of it as the weedy, witchy cousin to the apple tree. Its botanical name is Crataegus, and there's a ton of different species. I think one of the species that's most often referred to in books um, is the Oxyacantha species. The word Crataegus comes from the Greek word kratos, which is hardness, referring to the hard wood. And the species name Oxyacantha um, oxus is sharp, and acantha is thorn. So Crataegus oxyacantha, we're basically saying a tree with hard wood and sharp thorns. Very descriptive. And But really there is, depending on who you talk to, somewhere between 200 to 900, maybe over 1,000 different species of this plant. It basically easily crosses with itself like apples do. So even within one area where there are two different species or two different varieties of hawthorn and then they cross and then they spread their seeds and then a couple years later those plants grow and over time it can really just create its own different varieties very easily. So who really knows how many there are? but they can all be worked with interchangeably. And, you know, some might have fruit that are as big as a crab apple, and some have fruit that are quite small and hard. So the flower colors vary. You can go to a plant nursery and you can get a hawthorn that has beautiful magenta pink flowers or like a really delicate white pink flower. The leaf shapes vary drastically. Some look more like mini oak leaves, and then others look more like mini birch leaves. So you can't really easily identify hawthorn based on the leaf. I always look for thorns, and I tend to look for uh, the flowers are pretty unique. I think they look similar to apple flowers, but they do have their own little uniqueness to them. So you can um, look into that, explore some pictures if you'd like, and get out there in May uh, or when apple trees tend to start to bud and bloom in your area and go out and look for some hawthorns that are smaller, more hedgy, shrubbier, but are blooming around the same time as hot, as apple trees and have thorns on them. Some thorns are quite long. They could even be up to, you know, two inches long at least. Traditionally, you would see hawthorn plants used as hedges dividing farm lots in England and Germany. Haw being an old English word for hedge, as I referred to earlier. This is a plant that's native to the Mediterranean region, also North Africa, all of Europe, and Central Asia. So having a really large um, area that it's native to. And the tree, the shrub of the hawthorn blooms on the previous year's growth. So if you decide to 
you don't really want to do a lot of pruning on the plant because if you prune away or definitely not in the fall um, because you'll be pruning off all of the growth from that year and that would be the growth that would be setting the buds for the following year. So if you want the flowers, which are medicinal, and you want the fruit, which are medicinal, then pruning them is probably not the best way to go about getting great yields from the plant. Flowers and leaves, uh, they tend to be quite astringent. So it's a little folklore around it is that they make a really nice pultus uh, to the actually splinters and potential puncture wounds that you might get as you're harvesting and working with this plant. So if you do get poked or prodded as you work with the, the shrub, just make a spit poultice, take a leaf, chew it up and stick it on any sore or wound and it can really help you know draw out any potential infection and really help to close the wound and, and ease some pain as well. The flowers are interestingly scented. This is one of these plants where it tends to attract insects that are, would maybe also be attracted to dead bodies, dead animals. Um, so the, they can be, or, you know, carry-on insects, I guess you'd say. So it can not necessarily smell great. Some people don't mind the smell. And again, different species smell differently. But that the perfume of the plants attracts insects that lay their eggs and hatch larvae in decaying animal matter. And that smelly chemical is trimethylamine. Um, So, you know, maybe nothing that you want to grow right outside your kitchen window. Folklore once said that the flowers still bore the smell of the Great Plague of London. And that it historically, because there's so much astringency and tannin in the leaves of the hawthorn, that it was actually an adulterant in black tea and green tea, um, just to kind of, you know, make it spread out more and maybe make that more cost effective in maybe even just drinking the tea or in actually producing and selling tea. A hawthorn tree can live up to 400 years old. It is the state flower of Missouri and is food and shelter to lots of wild animals, birds, and insects. There is so much folklore around this wonderful tree. And I do love talking about folklore. So because I just find it really fascinating um, how much respect and spiritual power a lot of plants were perceived as having historically. And Hawthorne especially. So it has been considered to be a very sacred tree. Uh, in the past, it was thought that most witches' gardens contained a hawthorn hedge in it, and maybe even currently today, many witches' gardens have hawthorn hedges, and many herbalists uh, and herb farms definitely have the hawthorn hedge growing in it. 
It was known that witches and wise women and herbalists have long danced and performed their rites beneath the hawthorn. And at one time, hawthorns were believed to actually be witches who had transformed themselves into the trees. Hawthorn is known to be sacred to the fairies and the divas. And in part of, it's part of this famous triad of fairy trees, the oak, the ash, and the hawthorn. And it was thought that where these three trees grow together, that's where fairies can be seen. So if you want to attract fairies or provide um, an area that fairies would love to live and be, then you can plant an oak, an ash, and a hawthorn in an area of your yard and see what magic abounds. Hawthorns are often found growing near stone circles in Ireland. And there is this folklore story about the Hawthorn spirit, who some thought to be also called Maya, the goddess of wisdom and the winds. Some scholars say the word hedge actually comes from the word hag or old woman, referring to the spirit or the mother of the hedge. The Roman goddess of door hinges and handles, otherwise known as Cardia, uh, who thwarted evil from crossing the threshold of homes, used in English hawthorn branches as her magical wand for her enchantments. And hawthorn really was seen as a very protective plant and was placed in certain places and the wood was used in certain ways where it would spiritually protect a home or even cradles where the babies would be sleeping in. And even today, herbalists really like to refer to hawthorn as a protective plant. And part of this is because, you know, we see these really strong thorns and hedgy nature where it can really create boundaries and barriers that protect these really delicate flowers and beautiful red berries, which are a nice representation of our heart. The wood of the hawthorn is fine-grained and suited well for carving delicate items and magical objects, such as Cardia's magical wand. And the tree itself had a history of being a symbol of female sovereignty. In Ireland, it's considered ill fortune to cut down a hawthorn tree, and it could incur the wrath of the fairies that lived within it, or the hag, or the witches that really uh, this tree embodies. So there's lots of stories that relate to people even dying soon after cutting down a hawthorn, or where bad luck has had befallen their children or cattle, or you know people could. Um, have incur a loss of money. And this reminds me very similarly and also in relation to fairies of the elder tree um, or shrub, the elderberry, where it was definitely like even interstates were rerouted while they were being built um, so as not to have to cut down a grove of elder trees because it was just really seen as... um, something that really could could cause bad luck. 
This is also Hawthorne's also because of its protective nature. And I, I would imagine maybe its connection to the heart that the was used a lot in wedding ceremonies, especially wedding ceremonies that would take place in May or around Beltane, which is May Day. Garlands would be woven and worn by couples getting married. Hawthorne blossoms were traditionally used in wedding bouquets, which I don't know, maybe you'd want to try to find some that are better smelling than others if you want to do this. And I find the petals kind of fall off pretty easily. So get get them while they're just starting to bloom if this is something you want to include in your wedding ceremony. And it'd have to be in May. Um also thought to magically increase fertility, and maybe this is another reason why it was used a lot in weddings. Hawthorne was known for protection from bad luck and mischievous spirits. It was hung in doorways of homes and barns to bring good fortune. Protects against lightning, and it's, when it's placed inside the house, then no evil ghosts may enter the house. Romans placed hawthorn in cradles to protect against evil spells, and the hawthorn twig was placed atop a body or tucked into a sock in a coffin, and, and people were buried with them. Also, it is thought that maybe wooden stakes that were used to impale vampires or that people had on hand to p- potentially protect themselves from ba- vampires were made of hawthorn. And then this is a tree that is very tied to May Day and Beltane. So the hawthorne trees were decorated at midsummer or during May Day with flower garlands and red ribbons or fabric. And the idea was that you would tie them on the branches and set intentions with while you're tying them for the year ahead or to honor the spirit of the tree and the the divas that lived within. And then when the wind blows through the ribbons, the wit your wishes and intentions were whispered to the fairies of the tree and maybe that they would be willing to grant you your wishes. And it's said also, interestingly enough, to be the crown that Jesus worn, Jesus's crown of thorns. This is interesting to me. This could be true. Um, but also, who am I to say, it could also just be another way of shifting a story of using a very spiritually connected plant, a very mm, ritualized and worshipped plant or plant of ceremony in pagan realms, and then a way of kind of taking that and putting it on to a Christian um, honored place of honor to connect the two and make more easy for people to transition from earth-based religions to this Christianity. The shift of a sacred object from a story to the new dominant story. In the Middle Ages, Hawthorne was a symbol of hope. Leaves were worn or carried are said to promote happiness in people who are troubled or depressed or sad. And we see this also um, today. It's very tied with the emotional heart in herbal ceremony and ritual. And said the charcoal made from the wood um, produced an extraordinary hot fire. 
and the ancient Germanic tribes burned hawthorn branches on in funeral pyres, believing that the souls of the dead escaped during the burning of the thorns. And I wonder if this also might have some connection to the Jesus's crown of thorns that he was sacrificed in. So getting into some more of the ways that humans have traditionally worked with this wonderful plant, uh, more energetically for the emotional heart, transitioning into that. So that really hawthorn, the berries, the leaves, the flowers, the just even having a thorn on your body or a, a piece of the wood, some sort of flower essence, some sort of energetic symbol or remnant of this plant is thought to strengthen the emotional heart, allowing love to flow in and protect uh, delicate emotions, imparts courage um, to risk intimacy, to risk getting into relationship, getting into love, especially after coming out of heartbreak. Uh, Hawthorne is used in love spells. It's a charm of the rose and the hawthorn tree is thought to bring true love unto me is one of these beautiful phrases that I found. It's really thought to inspire courage and help heal a broken heart or a grieving heart as an energetic medicine. So not only does it you know, help the heart be more open and courageous to new love, but also helping us heal from pain from maybe a love that did not work work out or from feelings of not being loved. And so different ways to use this energetically or in ritual would be as a flower essence, even just as a tincture or a tea. You could use it as a smoke incense, burning the wood, burning the leaves, inhaling the smoke, um, putting it in bath water, or even just placing a piece of the plant on um, an altar space, or even just a drawing of the plant, or even just summoning it in your mind, or sitting underneath the tree, or sitting in a hedge. Um, but be careful, you might do, if you do this on uh, May Day, you might be carried off into the fairy realms if you sleep under the tree. So energetics, medicinal energetics, it tends to be slightly cooling and moistening, but then all the berry is. The leaves and flowers are more drying based on their stringent nature, but also slightly cooling. Not very strong energetics, it, you know, one way or the other, though. Maybe um, more drying and, you know, kind of sour and in some ways, but Nutrition-wise, packed full of nutrition, the leaves definitely, and the berries. So it contains minerals like calcium, potassium, has some um, chromium and selenium and tannins and pectin in the fruit, which um, you can really notice when you start working with it. Can, you know, it's been used to make thick jams and jellies just similar to apples. Um, it also has a lot of vitamins like vitamin C and some B vitamins, including B1, B2, choline, acetylcholine, and it's a source of iron. Berries are also known to have saponins, glycosides, 
flavonoids, including rutin, vitexin, quercetin. Quercetin is a great anti-inflammatory flavonoid. It's um, also proanthocyanidins, which is another kind of flavonoid group that is really known to help strengthen the heart muscle. And that's kind of what Hawthorne's mostly known for these days is as a heart tonic. And we'll get more into that. Uh, the flowers actually, though, are known to have the most proanthocyanidins, which therefore make it the most efficient at heart strengthening. However, they're harder to harvest. Um, you know, they, they wither down when you dry them to very small mass, and you really kind of have to get them. That's a very small harvest window, whereas the fruit and the berries, the leaves, you can harvest much larger of a harvest window for sure. And if you're going to market with the plant, you're going to have a lot more weight to sell in fruit than in flower. So it's probably more cost effective for everyone to work with the fruit and the berries. And so that is what ten tends to be used the most medicinally, I, I think. Even though they have the least proanthocyanidins, and then the, so flowers have the most, then leaves, then the berries. But there's also tannins and fruit acids and sugars in the berries. Um, definitely similar to most fruit, uh, especially in the apple family, you want to avoid ingesting a lot of the raw seeds because they do have cyanogenic compounds, similar to when we hear people say, well, let's not eat a lot of elderberry raw seeds um, and it's that strong almond smell that is a marker for these compounds but you know if you process the, if you cook the seeds or if you process them um, in alcohol I think it's less likely that it's an issue it's never really seems to be an issue you just don't want to for some reason you know eat a large amount of these seeds. Michael Moore um, has a great quote, and we basically said in his book, Medicinal Plants of the Mountain West, no one constituent can be singled out as the one that helps the heart. So standardization is pointless. And of course, there's a lot of value in whole plant usage. And, you know, if you've been listening to my podcast, you know that that's kind of how I feel about a lot of plants. I mean, it's really hard just to pull out one constituent and say it's only the proanthocyanidins that are going to be beneficial to the heart because it really is the whole variation, the whole chemical makeup of the plant that really can provide both modulation and, you know, work on many different facets of our body to build and support healthy function. So, General actions of Hawthorne. They, it's nourishing. We've gone through that. Lots of nutrients. It's uh, calming and restorative. It's not sedating. It's not going to put you to sleep, but it just has kind of a general soothing and calming effect. It is a circulatory herb. It helps to improve circulation. It's a cardiac tonic so it just really supports the health and strength and functioning of the heart and the whole cardiovascular system it is diuretic 
Um, it's digestive, so it really helps to improve digestion, especially um, with more of the astringent nature from the leaves and the flowers and the sour nature of the berries. And it's antispasmodic, antioxidant, and there are a couple herbalists, including Susan Weed and Brigitte Mars, that consider Hawthorne to be an adaptogen. So if we really think of what an adaptogen is, it's an herb that really helps to modulate and bring us back to um, a healthy, harmonic homeostasis within our body. They tend to be very nutritive and broad acting throughout a lot of different systems of the body. And they also, another uh, definition of an adaptogen is that it helps us to be more resilient in times of stress. So um, if we think about that, then Hawthorne, as we go through and talk more about specific body systems that Hawthorne helps with, maybe we can see why there are herbalists that do suggest that Hawthorne is an adaptogen. So let's get further into the body systems that this awesome plant can help with. Number one, again, like I said, this is the herb of the heart. Hawthorne, as David Hoffman says, Hawthorne will move the heart to normal function in a gentle way, which sounds lovely, right? Hawthorne is a tonic herb, so it's more for you know chronic issues of the heart. It's very slow acting, although some herbalists say results can be immediate. Some herbalists say, oh, it might take two to three months to really notice a difference because it is definitely more of a food-like herb than it is like a stimulant or sedative herb. So it might take longer, really depending on how serious the condition is. And, you know, there are some very serious heart conditions where you're not going to solely rely on Hawthorne um, to get you through. It could be an adjunct therapy. It could just be like a really heart-healthy food, a concentrated, wild, heart-healthy food that you can incorporate into your daily diet along with all of your other heart-healthy foods, including blueberries and chocolate, (laughs) among other things. So basically, all parts of the plant, a daily tincture or water-based infusion of the berries and or leaves and flowers can really help support the health of the heart and the cardiovascular system. It can basically help improve the health of the cap everywhere from the tiniest capillaries all the way to the actual muscles of the heart. It helps the heart's uptake of oxygen and allows us to actually use more oxygen more effectively throughout our body. It's known as a tonic for the aging or a weak heart. It strengthens the muscle contractions and it also can strengthen nerve impulses. So oftentimes when we talk about herbs that are beneficial for the heart, we also on the backside see that those herbs tend to also be very beneficial for the nervous system because the heart and the nervous system are very closely tied together. It's known to help alleviate inflammation of the heart or in the heart um, system. 
It alleviates congestion or pressure on the heart, lowering chances of a heart attack. It can help relieve the feeling of like oppression in the chest or like a really heavy weighted feeling. And it can help people who have a lot of fatigue and difficulty breathing. Um, And it can help reduce fluid congestion around the heart. Again, you know, working with someone who knows what they're doing, maybe including some other herbs, this might not be the one and only herb that you're going to be working with if, because, you know, of course the heart is a very important part of our body, but always think of Hawthorne when we think of helping support our health, uh, the health of our heart. For people who have a rapid pulse or arrhythmia or Um, you know, the heart kind of beat is not steady. It's always shifting and changing. Hawthorne can really help steady that. And it can, you know, the palpitations, it can really kind of help to ease and help to correct arrhythmia. It's a prophylactic against angina pain. It's a vasodilator, which helps to basically make the pathways that the blood flows through easier so that's like less constriction in our veins and especially in the coronary arteries. And in so it can really help to increase coronary blood flow and it can help to decrease a heart rate. So if you have a really fast heart rate, it can help to kind of lower, lower it. And it also can help to lower harmful cholesterol levels and help to prevent buildup of cholesterol and the hardening of the arteries or arteriosclerosis. It can both strengthen and slow the pulse and allow more blood to be pushed through per heartbeat. Heart disease is the number one killer in the United States these days. And so Hawthorne is a really great herb to know, even just a great herb to, you know, have on hand to just incorporate into a daily routine of herbs. If you drink an herbal tea or if you take a few tinctures throughout the day, why not add Hawthorne in just to help support heart health, especially as we age? So because Hawthorne is really helpful for improving circulation, especially to our peripheral areas like our fingers and our toes, if we have really cold hands and cold feet, if we're not getting adequate blood flow throughout all the way to the tips of our body, then Hawthorne can be really beneficial for that. And because it can do this, it also can be really beneficial for our mind. It can improve circulation and oxygen flow to the brain um, that is challenged due to aging and stress. It's used to enhance poor memory, improving circulation to the brain, increasing oxygen to the brain as well. Um, It can also improve eyesight by improving blood flow to the eyes and um, to the ears. So for the nervous system, it can calm and relax nerves and any sort of excitability in the nerves or even excitability in the heart, like we were talking about those palpitations. 
It can slow down stressed and harried people. This is kind of where that adaptogenic action comes into play and can just allow us to breathe deeper and be more calm, but not sedated. It's known to be able to soothe the mood, calm the spirit. That brings us kind of back to this energetic heart idea of really helping to soothe a broken heart as well or a broken spirit. It's helpful for people who have insomnia or have like a nervous system stress. Again, it's not sedating, but it is just very calming to the overall nervous system. And this can also therefore be helpful for people who, um, for women who are in menopause. And if we have mood swings, it can really help to ease that as well. And also in cases of attention deficit disorder or hyperactivity, it can really kind of help to be more on an even keel. And as I said, with the circulation um, improvement of blood flow to the eyes to help prevent degenerative eye problems, and then even people who might have tinnitus or Meniere's disease, it can help to improve blood flow. Um, and capillary integrity to the ears. And so it might be a nice adjunct maybe with a couple other herbs to help with that. Connective tissue. Now this is something that I find very interesting and this is something that I have worked with Hawthorne, um, especially the leaf and flower infusion, nourishing herbal infusion is what I've worked with for this, but for improving... um, joint linings, synovial fluid, production of collagen, the health of our ligaments and vertebral discs. It just generally benefits connective tissue. It can strengthen the connective tissue that's been weakened, especially by excessive inflammation. And that's especially the berries um, because there is a lot of quercetin. Quercetin's anti-inflammatory, plus there's lots of other, I am sure, anti-inflammatory constituents within Hawthorne. It's antioxidant for um, inflamed connective tissue disorders such as arthritis, rheumatoid arthritis, gout, and tendonitis. And like I said, it really can accelerate collagen generation, which thus strengthens connective tissue. It can treat tears in tendons and ligaments, and it can also help with uh, healthy skin. So, and that's the flowers and leaves, especially. And so I, about three years ago, tore, I don't know if it was a full or partial tear, I never had it imaged, but my ACL and definitely injured other parts of my knee. And Hawthorne has been a great benefit of healing um, that, I believe. And so I continue to include it in to my rotation of herbal infusions, not not in large amounts these days, but definitely back when I was healing from my knee injury, it was a major, a major herb in my rotation. It is quite um, astringent, especially the leaves and flowers. So um, can be a little puckering, you can add a little mint to it, or you can even if you find if you have a dry constitution, um, if you find it to be drying, then you can Um, incorporate some demulcent herbs, some soothing herbs, marshmallow, linden blossom 
are nice ones to include. You don't have to include them right into the infusion. You can just make a separate infusion. I love to work with linden infusion um, because it is demulcent and very anti-inflammatory. So that would be a nice like one day do linden infusion, one day do hawthorn leaf and flower infusion um, to kind of balance each other out when you are working on healing, recovering from any sort of um, injury, especially of the connective tissue of ligaments and tendons. Also um, known as a digestive herb, very beneficial for improving digestion, more because it has the sour aspect of it, especially in the berries. So just including it into the diet, you can make a, uh, we'll talk a little bit about this when we get into preparations, but um, hawthorn berry syrup, hawthorn berry jelly, hawthorn berry decoction, hawthorn berry infusion, just ways to have little bits with your, with your meals if you're having fully, a hard time fully digesting your meal improves the and then again back going back to this improvement of blood flow throughout the body and improvement of circulation it improves circulation of blood flow to the digestive organs of course and can strengthen and improve the flexibility and integrity of blood vessels that surround our intestines which those are really important because those are the blood vessels that actually gain the nutrition from our food and carry it throughout our body. Really important there. And then it's also known to help to increase digestive enzymes, therefore increasing the efficiency and ease with which we're able to digest both carbohydrates and proteins. And it also can just increase and support production of digestive fluids in general, and that is mostly from the saponins, but I'm sure from, again, other, a variety of constituents, I'm sure, found within the plant. The saponins, I believe, are found often in the berries. This, it's because of its slightly cooling nature, it can help us, you know, endure heat, extreme heat in the summer, um, especially I would imagine the flowers and leaves can be very cooling. So having those, again, helping us to build resilience in stress, stressful environmental conditions. So that ties back into its adaptogenic effects. Beneficial to mucous membranes if the mucous membranes are kind of boggy and extra wet and mucousy, because it can be drying, right? But again, we don't want it to be too drying. Um, or if we have really dry mucous membranes or really dry sinuses or really kind of inf- you know irritated um, mucous membranes in our lungs and or in our intestines, then maybe this is not the best herb to have in large amounts. Beneficial for the urinary tract. And this is interesting because this is where we see traditionally, historically in Europe and in like a lot of the old herbals, you don't really see, um, and even in like Native American herbals that I found, you don't really see it spoken of for heart health. It's more as a diuretic, something that supports kidney health, bladder health, 
something that's used to kind of break up um, what's known as stones or gravel in the kidneys, help to reduce fluid retention, edema, the diuretic, and that does obviously tie into helping to normalize blood pressure because there are blood pressure medications out there that are act do what they do because they are diuretic. So that's a quick overview, or maybe not so quick, overview of all the benefits that Hawthorne berry, leaves, flowers can really offer us. So everything from the heart and the circulation, and basically that means wherever blood goes um, and that is necessary for healthy blood and oxygen to flow, Hawthorne can help. Our mind, our ears, our eyes, our digestive system, and then our nervous system as well. And our urinary tract. So a great herb to befriend, to have on hand. So I just want to take a moment and say, um, and I'll get into harvest and preparations and potential drug interactions in a minute. But first, I just want to take a quick moment to talk about the Plant Wonder Collective Study Circle on Patreon. Um, is basically created to help you further your studies of uh, the Plant Wonder Collective Plants of the Month. They have recipes, study materials, printables, and more. There'll be um, so this month, Plant Wonder Collective is working on Hawthorne, which is why I'm doing this podcast all about Hawthorne. And um, I'm going to be working on, you know, maybe I'll have my podcast notes available just as I'm as I have my outline. I will provide that to the Plant Wonder Collective Patreon as my gift to the study circle. And then if you wanted to follow along or you don't feel like you have to take all the notes if you want, if you are a note taker when you listen to podcasts, you can find them there. I'm, I'm in the works of that, um, talking to Harmony, the lead, the lead lady of the Plant Wonder Collective. So they like to, you know, they'd like you to think of the study circle as an organized way to dive deeper into herbalism one plant at a time without having to sign up for extensive or expensive herb schools. Plus, they won't quiz you at the end of the month. From daily reminders of the plant properties on your wallpaper backgrounds to journal workbook sheets and membership-only blog content, they pave the way so you can amble down the plant path soaking up herbal magic along the way while inspiring your own exploration too. They offer three tiers, so there's something for everyone, the plant dabbler, the home student, and the medicine maker. So definitely check out Plant Wonder Collective Study Circle on Patreon, and definitely check out the Plant Wonder Collective and follow them on Instagram if you're on Instagram. And at the end of this podcast, uh, podcast episode, I'll talk a little bit about the Botanical Anthology, which is this amazing publication, both digital and in print, um, that the Plant Wonder Collective puts out as well. So harvesting, harvesting Hawthorne, we know how wonderful it is for us. Well, how do we get out there and, and get some? <laughs> so you can find some growing 
but I would check like kind of old farms or foundations or places where there are hedges. At least that's where I find them here in Maine, um, kind of old farmsteads. We have this great local preserve that used to be kind of an old farm, and there's tons of hawthorn growing all through there, at least two noticeable different species, if not more. You can also easily purchase hawthorn plants from nurseries, plant nurseries. It's a very popular, beautiful, ornamental shrub. The flowers usually bloom, as I said, around the same time as apple trees or May Day. And those have a short harvest window. So as soon as you start seeing them bloom, go out and harvest them, especially before it rains. Because sometimes once it rains, it you know all the petals will just fall, fall off the tree. And the leaves can really be harvested at any time. I like to kind of clip, when I harvest the flowers, I just kind of clip the tips of the shrub so I get the flowers and the leaves all in one. And they dry really easily. Just throw them in a basket, throw them in a shady corner of a room, and they will dry really easily. Um, Or you could even maybe put them in a brown paper bag, and they'll dry really easily. Then as the fall progresses, you'll start to see some fruits form, and then the fruits might turn anywhere from yellow to orange to red. And there's this kind of tradition ties. Also, you hear this a lot with rose hips and um, is that you wait till after the first, at least after the first frost to harvest these rose hips or hawthorn berries. And that I think to me is because when you, when we have fruits or any sort of plant material that freezes, it breaks that cellular wall, that cell wall of the plant matrix. And it really helps us to then access all of the nutrition that's inside the cell wall. And it's really noticeable when we make remedies with, um, with if we're making a remedy just with the raw fruit, that if we freeze it first, you can even harvest it before the first frost if you want. But now we have freezers. So we can just take that fruit that we harvest when it's ripe, and we can put it in our freezer, let it freeze for at least a day, if not longer, for as long as you want. And then you can take it out of the freezer and make your remedy with it. And it just seems to really give up um, all of its goodness much easier that way. Something that uh, we have to be aware of, especially where I live here in Maine, I don't know how far-reaching the brown tail moth caterpillars are. Um, you probably know about them if they are in your area because they have these hairs. The caterpillars produce hairs that cause really miserable, itchy rashes on your skin, and they release the hairs um, into the environment and they can travel on the wind or they can, you know, be in leaf litter or on the plants themselves. And these caterpillars tend, the, the moths themselves tend to lay eggs on apple trees, which also includes hawthorn trees. 
as well as other trees. Oak trees and birch trees are a couple other favorites. But I have found at the same preserve I was talking about where all these hawthorns grow, it's just unfortunately the, all of the hawthorns are overrun with these brown tail moth caterpillars and it really makes it unharvestable because if you get if you start messing with the caterpillars or anywhere that they've been, it's really easy to get the rash and we don't want any of those caterpillar hairs in our herbal remedies. So that's just something to be aware of if that insect is in your neck of the woods. So let's talk about some herbal preparations. So topically, as I was saying, you could do the spit poultice if you get pricked, um, but it could just be a topical astringent herb for any sort of wound um, because maybe it has this like connective tissue collagen effect, it could be fun to um, work with this plant in treating skin, like for herbal spas, uh, maybe making a face mask with the ground up leaves and flowers could be interesting for a nice astringent face mask. Other preparations, um, any preparation, an infusion, concentrated uh, infusion of the leaf and flower, which I like to weigh out an ounce. I like to buy, you know, a pound of hawthorn leaf and flower. They usually come together, cut and sifted, and then I'll weigh out an ounce of that dried, and I'll put it in a quart jar, and I'll cover it with boiling water, fill the jar with boiling water, put a lid on it, let it steep for four to eight hours, and then strain it and drink it in a day or two. Uh, a decoction works really well for the berries. And then you can even, a decoction is basically simmering, making a simmered tea. And then if you want to concentrate your de decoction and then add a sweetener to it, you could easily make a hawthorn berry syrup that you could use as a heart tonic. Uh, tinctures infused either dry hawthorn berries or fresh hawthorn berries in 100 proof vodka. If you're using the fresh hawthorn berries, I would freeze them first and then I would fill a jar all the way to the top with the fresh hawthorn berries and then I would fill the jar again to the top with 100 proof vodka, put a lid on it, let it steep for a minimum of six weeks. A year might be even better. And same with the dried berries. You can purchase dried berries if you don't have hawthorn near you or if the hawthorn around you have the brown tail moth caterpillar on them. And if you're using the dried berries, then you would want to fill your jar no more than halfway full of the dried berries and then all the way full of the 100 proof vodka because those berries will absorb the vodka and they will grow in your jar to fill the jar. So maybe even uh, a quarter full would be fine. Other preparations would be an elixir, which for me is basically a tincture with sweetener in it. So 100 proof vodka, maybe with uh, some honey added to it. Uh, you could do an infused vinegar or uh, 
same same way that you would do with either dry or fresh berries for the tincture, but you could do an infused vinegar or you could do an oxymel, which where if an elixir is a tincture that is sweetened with honey, then an oxymel is essentially a vinegar that is sweetened with honey. So um, I would do, you can make up your own percentage uh, ratio, but I like to do... Um, like two-thirds vinegar to one-third honey because I don't like it too sweet. There are jelly recipes. Marmalade is a traditional Hawthorne fruit preparation. And then I did recently see a recipe for like a Hawthorne berry fruit leather, which... I don't remember how that was made, but I remember it looked really good. So I'm sure a simple Google search, if you have a, if you tend to have a lot of hawthorn berries around, um, that could be another fun thing to make with them. Um, the other thing that I have found that I'll, that I'll mention with working with um, berries that I've harvested myself from the hawthorn is they tend to get worms in them. So I will often, I'll like go to the Hawthorne and I will uh, harvest a berry and I'll open it up. And there have been times where every single berry that I've harvested and opened has a little white maggot inside it. Um, you know, I've been told that some, that working with herbs, you kind of have to get over the, oh, there's like gross insects everywhere in them because, you know, they, they obviously harbor um, and provide food for all kinds of creatures, including all kinds of insects. But in some ways, if I'm finding a lot of those, I kind of get a little squeaked out. And so then I just um, buy dried berries but you can really just think of hawthorn as like a really concentrated apple or a rose hip. And so when you're thinking like, oh, is hawthorn safe to take? Um, if you're talking to your doctor, like, oh, I want to incorporate hawthorn with my, you know, heart healthy program or protocol. Um, you can ask your doctor, can I eat like really concentrated applesauce with my medicine and see what they say, because that's essentially the strength. You know, this is just a really concentrated, safe, food-like tonic herb. And I find it quite interesting. So I always love to refer to my two um, safety books, herbal safety books, and they're often pretty interesting to look at. So one of my favorites is the Botanical Safety Handbook, American Herbal Products Association. And under the Crataegus species section, um, basically no, no known contraindications, very safe herb. And then a, a little ditty here that they wrote is that in the 1960s and 1970s, the Hawthorne fruit extracts were sometimes combined with conventional cardiac drugs, including digitalis, 
which you'll see a lot of times now, um, like if you just like look online or websites or most books um, will say, most herb books will say, oh, if you're taking digitoxin or if you're taking um, any sort of heart medication, you know, don't take Hawthorne or talk to your doctor first, which is always a good thing to do. But just to understand that if anything, you're going to be improving the health of your heart. And so maybe you won't need as much medication like that tends to be the main interaction with the drugs. But so in the 1960s and 70s, Hawthorne fruit extracts were sometimes combined with conventional cardiac drugs, including digitalis. Such combinations were reported to reduce the side effects of the drugs and sometimes allowed for a reduction in dose of the drug. Um, no case reports of sus suspected drug or supplement interactions were identified. No case reports of adverse events have been identified. So that's in the Botanical Safety Handbook. And then the other book, which I find is... Um, maybe even a little bit more conservative, the herbal contraindications and drug interactions plus herbal adjuncts with medicines book by Frances Brinker. Very interesting. She has a bunch of pages about Crataegus or Hawthorne. But what I find interesting is in this, you'll see a lot of when you see, um, you know, potential drug interactions is a lot of it ends up being hypothetical. They'll say, well, you know, because they, because it helps the heart, then potentially there could be some sort of interaction with drugs that affect the heart. It's all very hypothetical. Um, or it's, or it's in a scientific study where they're like, injecting Hawthorne in directly into the bloodstream, which is not what we would be, how we would be taking it or using it or like using um, a form of Hawthorne that is more drug-like than a whole um, herbal, whole herb extract. But in every instance where they're like, oh, well, this could potentially cause a problem. There's always this like in capital lovers. However, Hawthorne reduces the toxicity of digoxin, digitoxin, and g-strophanthin in vitro, probably due to its antiarrhythmetic effects associated with the three-to-one Hawthorne flower extract. It's kind of a lot of really intense writing and words, the scientific write-ups in here, but it's like, however, um, for example, however, in the so-called SPICE, S-P-I-C-E, capital trial in which 2,681 congestive heart failure patients were randomized um, and given either Crataegus oxycantha, which was the species I talked about at the beginning of the episode, leaf and flower extract, or a placebo, 65, and then included, um, you know, the, a variety of different medications medications, pharmaceutical drugs that people were taking, including beta blockers, diuretics, ACE inhibitors, digitalis, and nitrites, and antiarrhythmatics, no drug interactions were detected. And that's in a human clinical study. 
So again, that spice trial is, is mentioned multiple times. So they said hypothetically, or, you know, when we did some really crazy tests on mice, maybe it would have an effect. But in reality, when we did a, a placebo versus Hawthorne, there were no negative effects. And if anything, um, it was found that there were less side effects from the drugs in people who were taking the Hawthorne, which ties back into basically what that first book that I read was saying, that actually in the 60s and 70s, they were actually combining Hawthorne with the drug to help with any side effects from the drugs. So once again, we think hypothetically, well, if if an herb is affecting um, the same part of the body that a drug is affecting, then then there must be an interaction. But the reality is, is that they work so differently within the body that they don't really react. And let's think about, and we're so used to thinking about how drugs can interact and make each have side effects among themselves and interact with each other because they have the same type of way that they work in the body. But herbs work in the body very differently than drugs do. And it really does take a paradigm shift to see that and understand that. And really the only way to get involved with that paradigm shift is to start working with plants. So I thought a fun little thing. I have two different Hawthorne to, to finish up. I know this has been kind of a long episode, but it is a special uh, for the Plant Wonder Collective as we dig in here. Um, I have two different Hawthorne tinctures here that I have made. Um, both were made in 2018. And... Or, and then they were strained in 2020. And so I have a Hawthorne berry. So they, so yeah, I said, oh, well, six weeks, six weeks is the minimum, but these infused for two years. I have one that I made with fresh berries that I harvested myself and combined with 100 proof vodka. And then I have one that was dried berries. And I can't remember, I should have labeled these better, if I have harvested the berries myself or if I purchased the dried berries. I'm going to assume that I harvested them myself and dried them, which is also very easy to, to dry your hawthorn berries. Basically just either lay them out in a screen or put them on, um, like lay them out in, on a kind of a flat bottom basket and in a dark, you know, away from sunlight, and they will dry quite easily, I find. Okay, so I'm going to do a taste test sampling and let you know. So we'll start with, and I, one thing I do notice when I, as I'm making the tinctures is that the dried berry tincture really extracts a lot of color a lot faster um, than the fresh berry. And I'm pretty sure I did not freeze these berries when I made the fresh berry tincture either. So that could also be the problem. But looking at the tinctures now, they are both a beautiful red, ruby red color. They look basically like a, a light red wine color. And um, so, all right, here we go. This is the dried Hawthorne berry tincture in 100 proof vodka. It 
That's good. Very astringent. My whole mouth, it's like definitely puckered. Can taste that astringency. But then there's a, like a, you can also kind of taste that sour berry, sweet, sour, sweet berry fruit in there too. It's like kind of earthy, a little musky. It's, it's delicious. This would be actually really nice as a cocktail um, with some bubbly water and mm, yeah, probably just with bubbly water or maybe with like a splash of crayon or like a uh, orange wedge or something. <clears throat> okay, so this is the fresh hawthorn berries. Again, I made the tincture October 2018 and strained it January 2020. Wow. What a difference in flavor. Um, I would say the fresh berry tincture. Wow, that tastes so good. Definitely less astringent, but there's still a little bit of astringent sourness there. But you really get that sweet fruit flavor and it is like kind of slightly appley. It's very good. Delicious. Highly recommend going out this fall um, and harvesting some hawthorn berries and making a fresh hawthorn berry tincture. Good for the heart, whether you're going through a heartbreak, a heartache, or if you really just need to help support a healthy heart. So I said that at the end of this podcast, I just wanted to mention the Botanical Anthology, which is a seasonal plant-centered publication put on by the folks of Plant Wonder Collective. Tend to have over 35 or more articles from 35 or more different contributors in each edition. It's a seasonal publication, so they have a, a, a spring, summer, fall, and winter publication. I have been writing articles for the past four seasons in their publications. Um, they're beautiful, beautiful books. They're essentially a book. I mean, they are gorgeous. You can find them print version on Amazon, or you can go to the Plant Wonder Collective website and check them out. And as uh, we have a new botanical anthology coming out the beginning of March, which will be the spring edition. And I will be talking more about that, maybe highlighting um, some articles that are in it and tying in some podcast episodes with that botanical anthology. It's a, it's the Plant Wonder Collective is just a wonderful group of people that are inspired and informed by the plants and love to share recipes and inspirations and rituals and folklore. And they really do it in very beautiful ways through both the Plant Wonder Collective Instagram and um, the Botanical Anthology. So check it out if you haven't already. Thanks so much for listening. It feels good to be back on the pod. It took me a while to get here, but I'm back and it feels good. 
I would love a review. I read them all. And for those of you who have who have left me a, a review or have reached out and said, oh, I missed the pod. You know, I love listening. Bring it back. Tell me more. Uh, thank you so much. If you weren't doing that, I might not be doing this. So reach out. I really value your feedback. You can contact me directly through the Solidago Herb School that's my tag on Instagram, Facebook, my website, um, or at gmail.com. Thanks so much for listening. I'm Bridget Doherty. Until next time, be well, let intuition guide you, and have fun with herbs. listening to believe you can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform check us out at believe.com and search for b-l-e-a-v on youtube